Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no wait, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. Welcome in to the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast. We're going to talk about everything from, uh, you know, athletic builds to ball skills. And and on we go, down the line from there, right? Fill in all the blanks in between, yes. Jeffrey Simmons, a guy that I really like. But he's just a marvelous interior penetrator. Special, special, special kid. What an abundance of choice you have with these interior defensive linemen in this class. Kyler Murray, as long as he gets to draft day healthy, he will make more money. He's been asked the question. He's had multiple opportunities to say, I signed with the A's. I'm going to honor my commitment there. This isn't even a conversation. And he hasn't done it. That's all he has to say. And maybe after the Bama game, it's like, geez, he's not just a first rounder. He's a top 10 pick. Frankly, I would take him ahead of Herbert right now. And I think it'd be a toss-up with Paskin. 100%. And now, here's your hosts, Andre Simone and AJ Hayfully. Welcome to the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast, presented by Elixinol. If Jake Plummer is endorsed Elixinol's hemp balm and provides him and his family with the endless benefits of CBD, then you should too. This is a non-THC product, and 5% of your purchase goes to a non-profit of your choice. Visit elixinol.com to get yours today. I'm your host today, AJ Hayfley, alongside Andre Simone. We are the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast. We are back once again on a lovely Friday. And Andre. Yeah. How is life? It's life, man. Uh, but no, it's it's good. It's always better when I get to talk some draft with my homie. So I'm uh, I'm excited to do this, as always. Well, we've got quite the robust show planned today. Not that we've never had <laughs> a robust show. Uh, so let's uh, let's dispense with the pleasantries. I don't really want to talk to you that much. Let's get to this. Same here. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to start here. Uh, what do you want to do? Question or big board? Well, why don't we start with the big board? That's uh... okay. Latest version, 4.0 here for you. I think it'll be my final version before the Combine here. Uh, I would hope so. Which isn't saying much because we don't have that much time before the Combine. But yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's in the can. Lots could change with the Combine. will probably be the biggest uh, revisions we'll see here. But um, I'm feeling good. I'm starting to feel more and more comfortable with this class. I've started to do my tier rankings. Uh, so that's given me a little more clarity. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm excited. But as always, I, I publish a big board and I think, boy, I wonder what, what AJ would nitpick here. So uh, now I have a chance to do it live on air for our listeners to, to listen in on and, uh, you know, 
have a little friendly draft banter before we get into some awesome questions as usual. Yeah, for sure. So this big board, uh, per usual, it's an adorable attempt that I always appreciate. (laughs) But I have to be as condescendingly annoying as possible about it just to keep up uh, pretenses here. That's right. That's right. So, uh, first of all, putting quarterbacks in a big board at all is a waste of time. Um, Mm -hmm. They uh, they live in a world of their own where just because they play quarterback, they get they get way overdrafted. Um, so it uh, rightfully so, if I may add, because you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance in hell of being relevant. Yeah, so totally. That's that's just reality. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, I just think it's it's funny that you waste spots on a big board on QBs because it's just like why why bother? Who cares where they are? Like Drew Lock at thirteen, sure, that's higher than I would put him, but like he's still going to get drafted in the top ten. So what does it matter? Yeah, yeah. I hear you. I see your point. But we can yeah. we can assess uh, the the value of uh, that particular quarterback in a universal sense. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Jeffrey Simmons, given the uh, the red flags that he's accrued um, at 20, is probably too high for me at this point. Yeah, I'd imagine uh, Josh he Jacobs at 19. Than that. Right. Josh Jacobs at 19 is just overdoing it. Uh, you know, Josh Jacobs at 19 is is every every high school kid out there should be trying to find a crowded backfield. Uh, where he can he can have thirty carries in his college career and get drafted highly. So hey. um, you gotta you gotta save the tread and have, you have a good thirty carries and uh, you can get drafted uh, out of a power program. You don't even have to actually have been productive or particularly good. You just have to have a really impressive small sample size. I I suppose so, yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, consider me consider me Josh Jacobs hater. Dude, the the um, quickness at that size and the kind of stuff he can do as a receiver out the backfield, boy, it makes him intriguing. Just saying. I do uh I do like the hands. Yeah. Yeah, hands are impressive. <clears throat> I like the way And hey, like you uh you do have to respect the fact that he's got a lot of hits left to take. Of course, because he's never taken very many hits in his career, you you do wonder how he holds up to that. Yeah, and I mean, so, I love the fact that this guy catches a DB in the open field. He's going to try and ruin their careers. Like, this guy is <laughs> yeah. vicious when he sees the defender yeah. in the open field. He'll take you on and do bad things. Um, yeah, he's the kind of guy that'll try and write his name on a guy's chest with his cleats. Yeah, no, 100%. So that's, and that's like, you love the attitude, right? right? I just, for me, it's just, uh, you're you're talking about a whole big leap of faith on a guy with a very short track record. Totally fair. So totally fair. For me, I'm, I'm a, uh, I want to see it, you know, and that's, that's one reason why I've got to, you know, I'm I'm hating on you putting the kill Harry at 34 is because the kill Harry. I mean, obviously, everybody who's listened to this show all year is probably just rolling their eyes. <laughs> AJ and the kill Harry, uh, but that's a guy. He's a. I mean, what else? What else? What else do you want from the guy? Um, all he did was live up to his hype. He went out and he produced and produced and produced. And then he uh, he did it in the in the punt game too, in the return game as well. Yeah, and and I don't know that that 
I'm not counting on that translating to the NFL, but the fact that he did it, I still think is impressive because I don't know that it's necessarily something that'll be part of his repertoire at the next level. But I love that. I love that he, his, his team asked him to do it. And not only did he go out and do it, but he changed games. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, I love the ability. I love the competitiveness. I love the size. Uh, I understand testing is going to be important for a guy like him because you want to see how fast he actually runs. But you've got three years worth of tape on this guy destroying the Pac-12. For me, if that guy's not a first-round pick, there's a whole bunch of guys running NFL teams that don't know what they're doing. Yeah, here's what I'll say about Nikhil Harry. Um, uh, You know, agree on your love with Nikhil Harry. The testing will be important because we see that speed in the return game. I don't know that we see it in the receiving game in regularly creating separation. For example, Byron Murphy, when they played Washington, eh, kind of blanketed him, kind of handled him. And, you know, of course, like Washington's D is far superior. It's it's easy to lock down your number one option when Arizona State doesn't really have other guys that can hurt you. Uh, but I, I want to see him run, you know, at an adequate speed that, eases my concerns about his ability to create separation at the next level. He does that. I'll, I'll move him solidly in the top 30, if not even the top 20, just, just to make you happy. And I'll, I'll, I'll write a little note in parentheses, uh, you know, for, for AJ kissy face. Um, I mean, there you go. And Jeffrey Simmons, let me just say 20, probably higher than when, where he'll go. But this is potent, you know, a top ten talent who, if you can stand basically a medical redshirt year as his rookie season, uh, could present tremendous value uh, for whoever does pull the plug there. So I think twenty's right around where I, I think it makes sense on our board uh, to have him, you know, because that's totally a guy that's going to get drafted by like. The yep. Patriots, yep. and everybody's gonna get yep. mad about it. Yep, there's a few guys. That's the like, ultimate assessment of talent: is if he drops to the Patriots, how angry slash worried are you? And there's there's like <laughs> quite a few guys in this class that I would label right. that way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I would also like to say yes, he struggled against Washington, but uh, Nikhil Harry pretty impressive against basically all their other mm-hmm. big matchups that they had. Yeah, it's true. You know, beat up a beat up Michigan State and had a had a really good game. Um had a good game against USC, had a monster game against Utah. Um great games against both Oregon and UCLA as well. Yeah, sadly got injured so, at that CU game I was there to watch and felt like they game yeah. planned him pretty well. Um but again, I mean well, I, he was, if I if I recall correctly, that was a game where he was really good in the first half, and then that was it. Yeah, because he got, like, knocked out in the right. return game from maybe a Buffs defender that went out of bounds and came back inbounds uh, to kill Nikhil Harry. So, <clears throat> Yeah, but, I mean, three catches, 62 yards in the first half of that game where it was like, oh, Nikhil Harry, he's going to have yeah, a totally. big day. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, that's a good way right. to prevent yep. that. Yeah, totally. So, um, that's my Nikhil Harry love. Oh, I know. No. Ten minutes, big board. Any uh, any final thoughts uh, outside of Jawan Taylor's also too low? 30th, yeah. Um, 
right tackle, right? So I'm a I'm more of a stickler than most about that. I get it. He's smooth, great run blocker, shown himself to be very um, promising pass protector, especially on inside moves. I'll say this about Juwan Taylor, and this is a concern that I brought up with the two Notre Dame offensive linemen last year. Florida did such a good job of running the ball because they had no quarterback and preventing any sort of obvious passing situations. And I think Juwan Taylor really benefited from that. I do worry that in the NFL where a team, an offense has to throw the ball, you know, 40 plus times a game and he's seen more elite outside edge rushers that he could be exploited outside. Uh, That's my only concern. He tests well athletically in Indy and shows he has the kind of length most people seem to think he has. I will apologize and raise Juwan Taylor up. Until then, I don't feel I have the need to do that because I do see these concerns and I don't really hear anyone else bringing them up, but I think they're pretty valid concerns. I think Denver will be playing long game with Taylor because they'll draft him at 10, put him at right tackle, and then draft oh my God. Tua next year. And he'll be uh, <sighs> he'll be Tua's blindside protector. Blindside and protector. That's yeah. how you play 4D chess, son. Uh, okay, let's get to uh, let's get to our question here. Yes, let's do it. Uh, Upstate Garbage Plate says hello from Rochester, Andre and AJ. AJ, you were one hundred percent correct where my name came from. So many people have chosen food related names, and I thought taking the name of a local masterpiece would be fitting. Spread the glory of Rochester's finest delicacy far and wide, AJ. The people of the world need to know about it. Um, Amazing. So first off, if you guys are ever in Rochester, you got to get yourself this garbage plate. This thing's a masterpiece. Uh, it is the best thing that upstate New York has produced outside of Buffalo Wings. So wow. you wow. guys mentioned that you're starting to dig into smaller school guys. Are there names that we should know from smaller schools of guys that you really like and are possibilities for the Broncos to draft? Thanks as always. Uh, so we've got some small school standouts, best non-Power 5 guys. Obviously, that list starts with Ed Oliver out of Houston, who is right. beast mode and should go in the top 10. Yeah, Where do we, where do we go from there? Yeah, uh, first guy on my list is a guy that I fell absolutely in love with at the Senior Bowl, Terrell Hanks, yeah, uh, linebacker did. from New Mexico State. Um, you know, it's he's crazy because he's yoked up like absolutely yoked up. This guy at the weigh-ins was like Hercules. (laughs) Um, And then we're watching drill, like cover drills where it's linebackers against running backs. Before we could pick up on that, we were like, wait, is this guy a DB? Because that's how fluid he was in coverage. You watch the tape at New Mexico State, you'll think the same thing because they've got him playing coverage out in the slot and stuff. But this guy, you know, he's a 230-pound backer who can come, you know, if it's a simple read, he's going to come downhill and blast you. But the thing is, um, you know, he's he's raw. Uh, diagnosing a play, that kind of stuff is, it's still raw. So if it's man coverage, he knows he has the, line, the running back in coverage, he's going to fly to the running back, make an amazing play. He's in coverage in the slot. He knows that wide receiver or tight end in the slot is his guy. He's going to be aces. It's going to be a little trickier when he's got to play some zones and stuff like that. Uh, you'll need to polish up his instincts, but the raw tools are... Um, you know, first round worthy, frankly. And between his tape at New Mexico State 
and how he showed at the senior bowl, I think um, while comparable, he was a thousand times more impressive than Darius Leonard, who of course was, um, you know, one of the breakout rookies last year for the Indianapolis Colts, which I admit I didn't see coming. Um, So yeah, I think Hanks has really high upside and would actually be a perfect fit in um, the Broncos, uh, you know, defense with Fanjo. Uh, then I have Daryl Henderson running back out of Memphis. He's just fun player to watch. Great quickness and deceptive power and speed as well, um, though obviously not a need for the Broncos. Nasir Adderley, uh, kind of the nickel back safety for Delaware. He could, He's played some corner. I don't think that's where you'll stick. Um showed up at the senior bowl showed he can definitely play against that level of competition at the same time. I don't think he's, I think he's a solid pick with some nice versatility. Uh, he doesn't overwhelm me, but this is a guy who totally could have played D one. Um, he just wasn't able to because of grades. And then when he got his grades back up, had some offers, but decided to stick with Delaware because they went after him right away. Um, then I have Jalen Ferguson, who's a well-known, you know, led the country in sacks at Louisiana Tech. Again, not too interesting for the Broncos. Doesn't have great bend, but he's a try-hard, uh, lengthy pass rusher who's been productive. Uh, don't think he'd fit in our 3-4. Brett Rippon from Boise State, MVP of the East-West Shrine game, quarterback, uh, impressive arm to some extent, reminds me of Jacoby Bursett. So, you know, up and down tape. Um, inconsistent, but checks off a lot of the boxes you look for in a quarterback. If you're looking for a developmental quarterback, um, he's one of the guys I would start with looking at. Um, Then Devin Singletary, Florida Atlantic, uh, one of those kids that went after, um, what's his name at Florida Atlantic? Jeez, why am I blanking on former Alabama OC and former Raiders head coach? Oh, Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin. Um, you know, so he was there at Florida Atlantic, a uh, shorter back who's just so, such great wiggle, um, really impressive. Um, Andy Isabella, wide receiver out of UMass, outstanding player, um, you know, scored a touchdown for Daniel Jones in the Senior Bowl game that was just insane on a short dump off screen. Uh, you know, his he's dominated bigger programs, uh, looked the part at the Senior Bowl, you know, one of the nation's leaders in receiving yards, receptions, and uh, touchdowns in all sorts of categories. Isabella would be amazing with the Broncos. Um, Rockius in, cornerback out of Temple, is really intriguing, uh, more of a press guy, so I don't know how great he'd fit in this system. Uh, but definitely a name to keep an eye on, especially if he runs a low 4-5 or better. Uh, John Kaminsky, dude, defensive lineman out of Charleston, like with Hank's best-looking body out of anyone at the Senior Bowl, uh, straight, like, yoked up. This is a guy who had to go to a small school, was playing, like, quarterback in high school, and turned himself (laughs) into a dominant D-lineman. Average more tackles for a loss than he did games. Um, so, you know, raw, uh, maybe a bit out of position where he was playing as a like true D end in a four man front. I think as a five tech, he could really be something else. Um, 
he was impressive <clears throat> just because he's powerful. He's got this, some deceptive quickness. Uh, he's got the perfect body you'd want. He kind of looks like a a better version of Gotsis in some ways, but that same stylistically, that same type of D lineman. Um, Kalen Saunders out of Western Illinois. This is a defensive tackle who's a potentially um, has some insane pass rushing ability. Uh, he's better known as a guy who can do backflips at 300 plus pounds. Um, he was at the Senior Bowl too and impressed. His tape, he's impressive. Sometimes he'll be lined up as a stand-up edge. Really impressive there. But he's like a true one-gap guy who's like almost only an interior penetrator. He's kind of like a poor man's Draymond Jones, where it's like the upside as an interior pass rusher is huge. Um, Plays a little too high sometimes. Not great against double teams. Um, Better in pursuit than he is taking on blockers can be developed but i think still still raw um penny hart out of georgia state another undersized wide receiver was so impressive at the senior bowl um and then uh, a late round find who might not even get drafted but i think will be on that seventh round bubble gavin wiggins the left guard out of youngstown state i was watching the aforementioned Kalen saunders and i was like man this left guard from youngstown which ironically is where like Jim Trestle's the AD and Bo Pelini's the head coach. Um, yeah. He was just dominating. And he's a guy who it's like, uh, you don't dream on Gavin Wiggins because when he's, when the play is over and he's running towards the ball, whether it's to like help his teammate up who just got tackled or just running to the ball to get the ball snapped for the next play, doesn't look the part at all. But when, you know, when the, the whistle go, when the snap is snapped before the whistle goes, he's super impressive because he's a great guy to take on uh, defensive lineman. I really thought he outplayed Kalen Saunders, uh, who, you know, has all that raw upside and can really, like, push you out the way down in the goal line, create a lot of push, will dominate when he gets to the second level. He'd be a great late-round find to put in Mike Munchak's, uh, you know, hands to develop um though again mobility is a concern in the zone blocking will run would be better in the power blocking scheme that munchak's been known to run in the past and yeah there's a few more names out there that i'm sure we'll have a chance to talk about but as far as the broncos are concerned i think those are the most interesting guys are you okay i'm okay are you good do you need to take a breath no i'm fine <laughs> <laughs> I was starting to worry as you were going through that list. I was like, he might've just blacked out and he's just on autopilot right now. <laughs> no, no, I didn't just, just, <laughs> just running through my list, you know, talking for 10 minutes straight. That's all. Well, um, I think I'll pretty much let that go outside of to say, I also love Andy Isabella, the wide receiver. Out of mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it would be just funsies, you know, just to have a, a UMass stud go to the Avs and the Broncos in the same year. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, I also, we got the feeling at the Senior Bowl that the Patriots were hot after this uh, local product who, you know, white guy who plays in the slot fits them to a T. So. Yeah, right, exactly. You know. Like, Taylor made to be a Patriot. Yeah, 100%. All right, let's go ahead and take our first break here, sir. Okay, sounds good. All right. 
Um, yeah, that's that's a, all I've got. I have no other smooth transition here. We're going to take our first break, come back on the other side. We are going to uh, get into some some interesting research that you've been doing over the last couple of days about linebackers, safeties, and and uh, Vic Fangio and cornerbacks. There you go. And what, what history might uh, tell us about what to expect come draft day. Right? Oh, yeah. Okay. So we're going to do that. Uh, this is the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast presented by Elixinol. We will be right back. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Welcome back in segment number two here, the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast presented by Licks and All. I'm AJ, he is Andre. We are us, and we are here talking about linebackers, cornerbacks, safeties, Vic Fangio, and answering some questions. Yeah. They all tie in together. So right. uh, just, trust, just trust me, and into the abyss we go. Uh, Bronco Duck has a question. He says, Although I agree that Devin White is a great prospect, I'm wondering why Todd Davis or Josie Jewell couldn't fit the same role. Are there traits that Fangio is looking for better suited for a Devin White? What exactly is the role of that linebacker in a Fangio defense? Dre? Yeah, so the short answer, and also, actually, I know Bronco Duck is a new subscriber and loves the draft content, so um, to I answered your question where you asked it on the last draft pod and put the link to our um, film room on Fanjo's defense entitled exactly how Fanjo's defense will affect the Broncos roster going forward. So I get into that specifically with visual examples and stuff from breaking down film of his in Chicago, but also being familiar with, you know, what his defenses have done in the past. Uh, So check that out for a more in-depth look. But the short answer would be that what you want at linebacker and Fanjo's scheme, which is going to be more zone heavy, and you're asking those inside linebackers to cover a lot of the middle of the field, an area where the Broncos have been exploited in the past. Uh, you need, most of all, speed at linebacker. It's why a team like the Bears went ahead and drafted someone like Roquan Smith, who had plenty of deficiencies in his game, but he had plenty of speed 
and potential in coverage. And that's why he was so key. And it's how they made Roquan and Danny Trevathan, two undersized linebackers, work in that scheme because they really, they're going to drop them in zone. They're going to drop them fairly deep. They need those guys to be able to read and react quickly and cover a lot of ground in the middle of the field because it's, you know, the middle hat, that middle underneath zone, that's your territory. We can't get burned by all these crossers and tight end patterns uh, like we have been in the past. The corners are predictable nonsense that continues to haunt game after game after game absolutely i mean you know every once in a while i still wake up in a cold sweat and i just see george kettle running free yeah or i mean you know not all the texans had to do in that game was like put deandre hopkins in the slot and we basically had no answer or you know the chiefs had one game where they're putting sammy watkins in the slot matched up against the linebacker boom touchdown uh, do it again with Travis Kelsey or something. Boom, touchdown. Because they'd just match him up with our linebackers. Nothing we could do. Uh, so, you know, it was just too easy to beat the Broncos uh, with that last year. And Todd Davis and Josie Jewell will, were part of the problem. And they don't really fit that description, right, of a rangy, speedy linebacker who's yeah. going to be well-equipped in, in in coverage. They They yeah. just don't. Um, Those guys have their value uh, as players, but their weaknesses got exposed over and over and over. Yeah. Yeah. And in a scheme that's going to try and take away the weaknesses of that defense, you do need a different type of linebacker. And, you know, while he's still raw in coverage, Devin White does have speed for days. Uh, Just look at the GIF in our last update of the big board that we plugged in segment one. Uh, You can see the the type of sideline to sideline speed is unreal. Um, Yeah, I I love watching that that GIF because you can see that he he bites on the fake. Oh, yeah. You know, because it's, uh, you know, it's 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 your classic like, oh, am I going to I'm going to read the defensive end? Am I going to hand this to the running back or am I going to keep it? And he waits till the last second. He hands it off. And White is totally reading quarterback keeper. Right. Yep. And he's flat footed when he sees that the running back has the ball and he still, he still gets outside, runs this guy down. And I mean, you're not going to get too excited about giving up seven yards on a first and 10, but given the space that he had and the, the misread that he made for him to have gotten to him to run down that running back that quickly and to make that tackle uh prior to the sticks right yeah right yeah no he's reading an rpo the quarterback's his responsibility he forces the quarterback to hand it off and still is able to chase down the running back and you know not allow a first down when against nine on his own right against 98 percent of the linebackers in the country that not only is that a first down it might be like a long touchdown yeah, like you know that running back is looking ahead to the end zone mm-hmm. because he does not believe there's a linebacker in the country that's running him down in that from that situation. Right, right. 100%. And not only does White get there, but he doesn't even let him get the first. Oh, and <laughs> takes him down by like his shoulder pads. It's insane. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and this is a Florida linebacker. It's not like I found a game where LSU's playing their weak uh, out-of-conference opponent. This is... a a dude for Florida who was probably a four-star prospect at worst, you know? Right. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. So there's the, the, the short, which became long answer to your question, mm-hmm. Bronco duck. But now we have some evidence to support all of this too. 
Well, and um, this also ties into our other question. So I'm just we're going to ask the, the, this question and then we're going to get into it because all of this works together. Um, BWR's question is, hello, Andre and AJ. Question for you. LA, LA clearly prioritizes having a strong secondary, signing and drafting cornerbacks almost every year. Assuming Denver doesn't draft a corner in the first, who are some mid-round options to keep an eye on? I've seen Rock Yassin mock to them frequently, but personally, I like Joan Williams in the third. I can't scout cornerbacks because I constantly get frustrated at their near universal lack of effort and run support, so I need the pros' opinions. Okie doke. Yeah. So, talking about some mid-round guys, we'll get to that in just a second, but all of this ties into a little bit of research that you've been doing. Linebackers being prioritized more than cornerbacks uh, in in Vic Fangio's career uh, as a DC. Tell me about all this research you've been doing. What did you find? Yeah, so I went back to his last four stops. I guess I did four or five-ish stops as a defensive coordinator, um, you know, with the Bears, the 49ers. Uh, some with the the Texans and um, also the Colts and Carolina Panthers. And yeah, I found that if you look at the trends for those teams and how they drafted when Fangio was the defensive coordinator, um, they haven't drafted a cornerback in the first two rounds since back with the Texans in 2004 when they were an expansion team and basically needed every position. and there, you know, they uh, they drafted a guy 10th overall, Denta Robinson, I believe. Um, so it's been, you know, over 15 years since uh, a Fangio team with him as the defensive coordinator has drafted a cornerback in the first two rounds. So that's noteworthy. And of course, the Bears, their last two first round picks were linebackers in the top 10. Now, one was Leonard Floyd, who's an outside linebacker, uh, but he's got more coverage skills than your typical, than say like Bradley Chubb, who's a pure edge. And actually, Fangio exploited those skills, and I think like that about Leonard Floyd, and I think was probably important in them drafting Leonard Floyd. Of course, they drafted Roquan Smith in last year's draft. Uh, 49ers did draft defensive backs in the first round in back-to-back years mm-hmm. when Fangio was there, but both safeties, Jimmy Ward and Eric Reed. Eric Reed, a true safety. Jimmy Ward, more of a nickel uh, safety, def- you know, cornerback hybrid, but not a typical corner. I do think this kind of brings in another point of safety might actually be a greater priority than cornerback in this defense because, again, Corners are just going to have to really, for the most part, defend the sideline. Um, so if you can run up and down the sideline, if you plane off, can come down in a hurry when you read the play and make tackles, you know, like think of Josh Norman at the Panthers and that cover two heavy defense. They didn't want to pay Josh Norman because while he was a great corner in their defense, their cover two defense in, in a cover two, you need to, uh, do even less as a corner. You're basically just guarding the the shallow, the sideline underneath and the the flats. All you have to do is read and react, jump on the ball, but you don't have to cover lots of ground or you know chase guys downfield because those two safeties 
have the deep responsibilities. So it's just a matter of how you prioritize things. Um, you know, in Indianapolis from 01 to 99, they drafted a safety in the second and third, um, but drafted two inside linebackers in the first and two or one in the first, two in the second. Uh, so it's, it, this, this just continues in Carolina way back in 95, they did draft a cornerback Tyrone pool in the first round 22nd overall also drafted a safety in the second round and a linebacker in the third. Uh, so that's kind of what we found from draft trends. So, you know, all these people saying the Broncos will go cornerback at 10th. Eh, I'm a bit skeptical. And then, um, you know, my other research found that when you look at all pros in Fanjo's defense and break them down by position, six inside linebackers made an all-pro team under Fanjo. Six outside linebackers made an all-pro team. Only three defensive linemen, two safeties, and three cornerbacks. So it also shows you, you know, this scheme is gonna... It's it's not only is are these his strengths... This is where the the cream rises to the top. You know, this is those are the positions that he's going to turn in mm-hmm. to to star players uh, more so than your cornerbacks who are somewhat undervalued in this scheme. Uh, so, okay, serious question here. Um, <clears throat> let's just white to Denver at ten. White white to Denver at ten. Yes. Yeah, and so that's. Given given some of this work that you've done here, given their needs, given this draft class and this board, that feels like an easy yeah. fit. Yeah. Anyway, um, but what does that do for round two? Would could they take another one? Uh see, I don't think like white would be a great fit and great value. So it makes sense. I also think the beauty of this scheme, that's not too different from a lot of, you know, like say the the Seahawks Legion of Boom type scheme where they've got guys like KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner. Those guys weren't drafted super high, but they're highlighted in that scheme, you know, um, and or Deion Jones in Atlanta, same same defense right under Quinn. Uh, so the beauty is you don't have to draft these guys high. You need to draft the right kind of guys and the right kind of guys where you can find a market inefficiency as those undersized linebackers that have speed and range might need to be developed a little, but they've got speed and range. Like my guy, Terrell Hanks is a great fit. Kendall Joseph from Clemson is a great fit. Ah, you love I Kendall do. Joseph. It's been like two years. Um, and again, <laughs> guys that could be found even by day three, right? Like I'm not saying you need to draft Kendall Joseph, at 41 or Terrell sure. Hanks, Bobby Okereke. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. here's what I'm saying. Cause I, that's the question that I'm asking. You have, you have white at 10. Do you just pull the trigger on Hanks at, at 41? You know, you'd like to get him more at like 50 or 60, but you don't have a pick there. So you've got it at 41. And do you just solve the position once and for all? I mean, you could, you could, I, th- or would you rather go Deontay Thompson at 10, you know, and get yep. safety and then, I mean, would you put Deontay Thompson and Justin Simmons in the same defensive backfield? I would, um, because I think Simmons plays better close to the line. Uh, even though he has great cover skills, he's not mm-hmm. as his best as that deep safety. Uh, we've seen his instincts be a little off and not, you know, take bad angles, maybe not coverage, not play the tightest coverage over the top. 
Um, and we saw this even last year uh, when him and okay. Darian Stewart swapped spots. So, yeah. So we're talking about building a draft class here. Which 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 direction builds the better draft class? Uh, Devin White and then a safety in the second round or Deontay Thompson at 10 and an inside linebacker in the second round or third round? I should say day two. I mean, here's the round. thing. It's a weaker safety class. So <clears throat> Deontay so, Thompson might present better value. And then it's like in the second, if he drops, take Mac Wilson. In the third, if he drops, take Terrell Hanks. In the fourth, if he drops, take Bobby Okereke. In the fifth, if he drops, take Drew Tranquil, who's a converted safety to linebacker and would fit great. You know, um, I think you've got more options okay. at linebacker for this scheme. And don't forget, some of these needs might be addressed in free agency, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's always, I feel like we should just have like a running caveat before every one yeah, of these no shows. Doubt. Everything we're saying could be made irrelevant by what happens in free agency. Right. Yeah, totally. So, okay. So that's, that's kind of what I was curious about when you were doing this research and you're looking at it and I'm saying, okay, well, 10 is obviously the linchpin of your draft class. That's where everything yeah. begins for you. Uh, but that's not obviously the only pick. You do want to think about things like positional depth and not just say, well, we're going to take, you know, we're going to take Devin White because he's the best inside linebacker in the class. And that's the position that we want to upgrade the most. Although I would say, don't get cute. This is a position that needs real help uh, and is and is going to be a linchpin of that of that defense. It's going to the the crux of a Fangio defense is going to be in, in his linebackers mm -hmm. and their success. You need an influx of talent. You need an influx of athleticism yeah. and speed. Um, I don't. I I can't get behind waiting till the fourth or fifth round just because you're getting cute with the just because the class has depth. You want impact players. Agreed. You know. Agreed. Yep. And so for me, it's you gotta you gotta pull the trigger on one of these guys in the first couple of rounds. And all the names that you drop there are all guys I would be fine with. You know, if they end up with. Uh, Kendall Joseph in the third round and Deontay Thompson in the first round. And I don't really care what they do in the second round at that point. Um, I mean, you've, you've done exactly what we're talking about here. You filled some needs that, that played to your scheme, to your coaching staff. And you've built a draft class that has a chance to be successful as a group right. and not just like flooding one position with talent where you can say, Hey, two of these guys bust, you know, that's okay. We'll get one player out of it and we can move on. You've got at that point you're actually building a real a real draft yeah. class. Yeah, totally. And I mean I've if nothing else, I want our listeners to be the educated listeners who know when you see a mock giving us a cornerback at ten, it's like, you know, these national writers and you and I know this better than anyone, you do a mock draft, you're going off of needs lists because you Absolutely. you have a Absolutely. It's so right. hard. You to have a, a day draft. job. You can't it's, be plugged in so on hard. every team like you are your own. You see the need list. You look at the depth chart, and you're like, "Yeah, cornerback would make sense." But when you look deeper, linebacker makes more sense than cornerback. Where I think you might be able to plug some needs with free agency with some, you know, low price veterans like the Bears did with Prince Mukamara last year, and then find some value later on which takes us to the bwr question of what non top 
corners, uh, you know, in the mid rounds do we like? Um, and, you know, Rocky Sin, he mentioned, yeah, I like Rocky Sin. I wish he played better at the senior bowl, frankly. Um, Joe Juan Williams is great length for days, great ball skills, uh, really intriguing tape. Uh, the guys just pounces on the ball can, you know, shadow wide receivers downfield. Um, he, he'll be a little raw and get burned from time to time, but I think he's, I think he's terrific. And I think he'll run a four, four. And I think he might even go late first, early second. So I don't think he even really fits this topic of conversation we're having of mid round guys. Um, ah, yeah. Can I Chauncey Gardner? Yeah, there you go. Um, Every time we talk about corners, I have to throw him in there. I kind of forget about him because I look at my position rankings and he's in my safety rankings. So I'm glad you always remember to bring him up. Yeah, and actually I think he'd fit perfectly in that Fancho scheme. I mean... Yeah, he's got that ability to do both. And... And I always, I always compare him to Duke Dawson because Duke Dawson was kind of like that guy as well, um, where he played some safety and some corner, and a lot of teams thought that he could be a good corner in the NFL, and I always thought yeah. those teams were high. And Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's the actual Duke Dawson. Like the right. good version he's of just Duke not Dawson. like 210 pounds, looks like a linebacker, and can play press outside. He's smaller, but he's way better. Right. Um, Right, he's a guy that's going to fit a lot right. better in the NFL, I think, and actually, uh, and actually be a, right. a good quality well, uh, player. And actually, you're smart level. to bring him up because if Fangio gave the green light on drafting Jimmy Ward not too long ago, a guy like Chauncey Gardner Johnson might really intrigue him. Um, well, and he's a yeah, day two yeah. guy. Yes, yes, I'd agree. And eh, 41, so, I wouldn't love it, but I could understand it with this scheme. It would be, be rich. rich. <laughs> It'd be rich. It would definitely be, they would be prioritizing right. fit over talent if at 41. But in the third round, yeah, you'd exactly. have a hard time selling me on too many guys being yeah, better fits than him I just, uh, for what they want to do. And obviously, if he slips to the fourth round, then you're right, the streets. Right, and I mean, it is... You know, at 41, the second round, you're really hoping for one of those guys we have graded as a first rounder to drop. But then at 71, it's yeah. like you're you're like praying like, oh, please, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson or Terrell Hanks or like one of these guys that I love, <laughs> right. Terry Terry McLaurin, you know, one of those kind of guys like, please drop to me. Right. Kendall right. Joseph. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this cornerback class, the more I study it, AJ, the more I'm liking the depth, obviously, and I mentioned this in the big board, it's not what we had in 2018 and 2017 where we were. No. Right. Where there were right. 25 deep. And I mean, 20. This is more like 25 deep, not with draftable grades, 25 deep with top 100 grades, meaning they project as future right. starters. Insane. I mean, we've been saying it the last two years. We were talking about historical classes. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, with a few years down the road, if we were correct or maybe overrating that. But I think, you know, at least the guys at the top have proven us wrong. Um, and, you know, depth wise, uh, yeah. I think Lonnie Johnson Jr. from Kentucky's great length would be ideal in a press uh, scheme, but I think he's competent enough in coverage to turn and run with guys in our more zone heavy. I really love Julian Love from Notre Dame. Um, 
Jamil Dean yeah. of Auburn's a guy we were talking about early, and I think people have cooled down on. Don't cool down on Jamil Dean. He's a he's a strong corner. There's a guy who reminds me of like a rich man's Duke Dawson because he's yoked up but can play outside corner. Um, you know who's a guy I've been a little late on, and I think no one's really talking about because he's from Alabama, unexpectedly declared for the draft. Um, and no one's really talking about him. But while I was watching some Mac Wilson tape and some Drew Locke tape in that Missouri-Alabama game, he, he had two interceptions. Savion Smith, guy with length, guy with speed, mm-hmm. uh, you know, still not perfect, but I think the upside for this kid is really noticeable. Uh, the same could be said about Kendall Sheffield from Ohio State. Um, and then Justin Lane out of Michigan State's a guy I like a lot. Feisty good ball skills um, would be perfect in his own heavy scheme. So, and that's just a few names. I mean, I, I could go on for a little while here. So yeah, there's yeah. some, some I'm a, I'm a Trayvon, Trayvon Mullen myself. I, I want to see how he tests. Yeah. As see, a, as a mid round guy, because of that length and that Clemson pedigree, he might go late first. So, so see, I, Oh my God. If they, if, if, if they go late, if that guy goes late first, somebody forgot to watch him play football. I, I'm just telling and because I think he's just he's the kind of guy that I think he's going to test really well and that could probably push him up but athletically um you know and obviously we've watched a ton of Clemson over the last few years and that's a guy that's always disappointed me mm-hmm. um but it's funny because like oh you want to see I say disappointed me and then I'm like oh I really like him but he's he's disappointed me in that his physical attributes have never quite uh, turned into the dominant college player that they could have, but you just never know when that light right. bulb is going to come on for a guy. And if that's a guy that ends up available in the mid rounds, I would absolutely, that's, that's a guy that I think makes a lot of sense, has all the upside that, that teams love, especially in the middle rounds. Uh, and he's got great size and he would fit. Well, and the thing about Travion Mullen, and I agree, the tape's kind of disappointing, it's not disappointing because every anything he does negatively, it's disappointing because the dude like rarely ever gets tested. So it's like, how can I hold that against him? So I can see how some people are high on him. I personally like Joe Juan Williams more because again, he's easier to evaluate because he has been tested more and those ball skills really stand out to me. Travion Mullen. I'm unsure about his ball skills because he doesn't get tested a ton. So, you know, uh, I agree with BWR, not so much because of the tackling, but corner can be a tough position to evaluate for a ton of reasons. And I mean, oh, well, and I mean, it drives me crazy trying to watch him oh, on yeah. TV no. because they run out of the screen right. within two seconds and you're like, well, I guess we just right. have to hope for right. the best. Tapes, tape's hard to find and watch because you want the coach's tape in all 22. If they're really good and they're locking guys down, you're not seeing their ball skills because they're never getting tested. It's, you know, everything's so scheme specific. Some guys are playing off when they should be playing press. Sometimes some guys are playing press when they should yeah. be playing off. Some guys are playing man when they should be playing more zone and vice versa and on and on it goes. So it's, uh, it's, it's, I, I think with wide receiver as hard a position to evaluate as any. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely, man. It's, it's so hard trying to trying to sift through all the different things you have to wonder about when it comes to uh, 
DBs and uh, and wide receivers. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's go ahead and wrap up the segment. Do you have any uh, any other final thoughts on linebackers, cornerbacks? I should I say final thoughts. Like we aren't going to talk about this fifteen more times in the next. Two no, months. just you know, educate your friends. Tell tell anyone you know at ten linebacker safety more likely than cornerback because of the uh the fanjo scheme direct them to my film room direct mm-hmm. them to this podcast uh suggest that they become a subscriber maybe since we've got this podcast competition going on suggest that they use the code broncos to support us as we compete against the other bsn teams and maybe they'll even get a dope <clears throat> t-shirt if they win because let's face it we are we are favored to win here broncos fans so there's another incentive for you as aj uh aj's fallen silent all of a sudden aj has <laughs> nothing to say i was i was raised that if uh you know if you don't have anything nice to say you don't say anything that's exactly right let let me just say and i shouldn't even do this if you are an aj stan and i know you're out there even our broncos listeners some of them just love you aj it's why they include you in the questions and uh you know give you tributes for for your your plugs of rochester garbage plates or whatever that is you can use code avs to support them if that's you know If that's uh, just just if you're if feeling you're, if it, you're feeling if you want to support, which you should want to support all it. the work I do and all the great film rooms and draft work that you find on the Broncos, then uh, use code Broncos. So there you go. There's some options for you. We give you options in draft, in life, in subscription competitions, anything you please. The draft pod is here to give you options. <laughs> we are indeed. And on that note, we're going to take our second break of the day. Uh, We will be back on the other side. We have more stuff to talk about. We've got uh, some news to catch up on. And uh, the quote-unquote experts have started dropping mock drafts. So we're going to touch on some of that. And we've also got a little bit of talk about some other positions. Um outside of the ones that we've talked about today, you know, the linebackers, the cornerbacks, the safeties, and obviously I'm not talking about quarterbacks (laughs) unless I absolutely have to. So don't go anywhere. Hang out with us. We still have all kinds of draft talk here. I'm AJ. He is Andre. We are the BSN Broncos draft podcast presented by Elixinol. We will be right back. When it comes to insurance, sometimes you never really realize how important it can be until you actually need it. Well, here at BSN Denver, we recommend Farmers Agent Bryce Babcock to all of our listeners as one of the most trusted and reliable agents in the metro area. If I was a customer looking for a new agency, I would recommend Bryce because his agency hands down is the fastest people I've ever dealt with to get information back to you. That was David. He's been a client of Bryce's for over three years now. I used to have my homeowner's insurance with another farmer's agency that never really followed up, never followed up on the price. My price was actually dropped by almost 20 to 30 percent switching over to Bryce, even with the same company. And like I said, his follow up is awesome. He guarantees you at least a one time a 
year follow-up that he will sit back and review your file with you. Like David mentioned, Bryce guarantees that type of communication because he understands how important it is to be relatable and accessible. He's a great person not only be your agent, but he's a great person to be your friend as well. If you're interested in making the switch to Bryce Babcock for your life, home, business, or auto insurance, be sure to call 303-996-6509 and mention BSN. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands, we have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some Mo's to someone because we can cater to all needs, a family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue. And welcome in third and final segment here, the BSM Broncos Draft Podcast presented by Elixinol, which you should absolutely check out on their yep. website, which yep. is elixinol.com. I am AJ Hayfley. He's Andre Simone. We are here uh, going to kind of funny we uh we, we we both said last last segment how hard it is to write a mock draft and now we are here to tear down mock drafts so yeah. uh you know as the uh as the dudes that we are we will yet again put out the uh the caveat that writing mock drafts is difficult yeah. uh, as as we both have written them for our respective sports right uh they are for some people, much more difficult than others, actually. Very confusing, and sometimes you just wonder ah, what kind of substances people take right before they write them. Right, right. And if they're willing to share. Before we get to those mocks, though, some major news here. One mm. of the top wide receiver prospects this year out of Oklahoma, Marquise Brown, will not participate at the Combine yeah. due to injury. This is a big hit. Um, Marquise Brown is considered by most of us, I think it's fair to say, to be Mm. one of the top speed options at the wide receiver position in this year's draft. Oh, oh, if we qualify as top speed option, yes. Absolutely. The the top speed option, yes. So Uh, I'm I'm leaving it open out there. I'm I'm letting a Debo Samuel fan or or mm, two, you know. mm, Yes. yes. I I know that there's got to be at least one out there that's like Debo. So I'm leaving. I'm leaving the door open, but I would say, more or less, Marquise Brown is as close to the consensus top uh, speed guy at yeah. the wide receiver position this year uh, as it gets, and that makes his missing the combine and not running and not putting a forty time in front of scouts a big, big, big deal. You yeah. know, if 
if Nikhil Harry or AJ Brown or DK Metcalf, if any of these guys don't have a chance to, for whatever reason, put a 40 on the field, it's going to be whatever those that's not who those guys are. Anyway, it always hurts. It always hurts to not have that. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, for teams to have the incomplete profile on you. Yeah, at that position especially. But if you are already not a speed guy, um, you're not all of a sudden going to get out there at the combine and run a 4-3 and be like, hey, guys, I could do this right, too. Like, right. Heck, it might it, help A.J. Brown not to run a 40. Like, Right. Maybe Just it's because that guy could throw out a 4-7 and all of a sudden you're like, <laughs> right. Right. Maybe that's like maybe that guy's like a sixth round pick. Right. Like <laughs> hint hint to AJ Brown's camp. Maybe consider that. Just saying. Right. Uh, maybe pull a hammy dude. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like run run these forties in practice without warming up. Don't do any stretches and see what that does for you. Um, but the thing about Marquise Brown won't be running combine or pro day Liz Frank injury. Uh, but he's saying his camp is putting it out there that he should be ready for training camp. Um, so I think it'll hurt his stock, but it won't plummet it. Um, you yeah, know, I think not crater it. Right. I think of the top wide receivers in this class in like a trade down scenario, Marquise Brown and DK Metcalf would have been the only two options for the Broncos in the first round because those guys have a speed element that would help Flacco and it would help kind of round out the wide receiver group we already have with the big body, more of a possession contested ball catcher in Cortland Sutton and, you know, that slot guy in Deshaun Hamilton who's got quickness and route running skills. Um, so, you know, either of those guys would have fit nicely with Denver. I think 10 would be too rich, but again, in a trade down oh, wow. type scenario, uh, they would have been interesting. Now one of those options is out of the mix. And as you were pointing out to me off air, maybe this is a great thing for the Broncos because maybe drops at, drops at 41. And, you know, there's a lot of talk of would you trade a second rounder for Antonio Brown where Mar Marquise Brown, who is his cousin, I believe. Boy, who would you rather, young Marquise Brown at 41 or trading 41 to the Steelers to for, for the... Uh, the pleasure of paying Antonio Brown. I mean, Antonio Brown's an animal. Let's just do that. Fine. Yeah. I think it is a conversation though, with the fact that you could pay him rookie money and obviously is like 10 years younger, but I, I'd consider it at least. I think it's a question. Um, but yeah, probably most people would lean Antonio Brown. I might even lean Antonio Brown, but um, that just goes to show you how good Marquise is though. In his own right. So yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a big deal, man. Um, Marquise Brown not running like he had to run, and the effect yeah. that that's gonna have on his stock is gonna be truly it's gonna be fascinating because right. you're you're talking about you're taking a chance. Mm -hmm. Yep, hundred uh, percent. You're taking a you're taking a chance on tape. You're taking a chance on. I mean, you're, it's a little bit of a <laughs> drafting a college player is a leap of faith anyway. Yeah. But drafting one who hasn't been able to put on the field the test, like the number one test mm -hmm. uh, for his style of play. And he weighs 165 um, pounds. I mean, like... So, he has to be fast. Size concerns with this dude are real. You know, if he ran a 4-5 like Deshaun Jackson did or a high 4-4, four, four, 
that would be concerning because of those size questions. Right. So, yeah, he he has to be blazing fast. Right. And now, I mean, you know, Liz Frank's surgery right now, not with team doctors. We'll see that medical eval becomes important too. So, uh, And Liz Frank injuries have a tendency to linger. Like those, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. those are, that's one of those injuries that's, that transcends sport, you know, that mm-hmm. you see in, in, in oh, a yeah. couple of sports. Oh, yeah. And if, if you don't get it right the first time, that's the kind of thing, that's the kind of injury that can really yep. linger and, and yep. turn into, oh, it's, it turned, it, it went from a five month recovery time to the next thing you know, 17 months mm-hmm. have gone by and you're on like surgery number four and you're like, am I, right. my, my feet ever going to be okay? Right. Which is you know? why I think his camp was smart enough to put it out there like, oh, but we'll be available. Uh, we'll be ready to go by training camp, which, which that's hey, the kind they of can stuff put out people there all say, they want. right, right. But the medical checks and medical rechecks will determine how comfortable teams are with that assessment. 100%. And that's gonna that's going to determine his draft stock. Yep. If that guy goes in the top fifty, you know that at least one team had a was not even a little bit concerned about that medical recheck. Yeah. And right. if 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 we're starting day three and he's number one on the board, yikes. Those medicals are Came clearly a very, ugly. very big problem. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. So Interesting name to monitor because I know he's a kid we both love. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and as a fit for Denver and what they need, like that's a guy that oh, we are going to be keeping a close eye on. Hundred percent, especially with you know the offense. Scangarello wants more speed in that offense. Just watch what Kyle Shanahan's done uh, with guys like Godwin and so on and so forth. Taylor Gabriel and what have you. Um, but you know Flacco, you need speed with Flacco. You need yeah. speed. The whole point of getting him is to stretch the field, and you can't stretch the field if he's got no wide receivers to throw it to. Like overthrowing wide receiver Cortland Sutton by 20 yards because you're trying to stretch the field and Sutton can't get there ain't going to cut it. You need guys he, he can throw to and are stretching defenses vertically <clears throat> just like he can with his arms. So, Okay, that was probably a longer tangent on Marquise Brown than we anticipated, but I'm glad we did because he deserves that kind of talk, and that is big news. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's a key target for Denver uh, that they may otherwise not have had a uh, a shot mm-hmm. at. Yep, hundred percent. You know, and hey, we could be talking about they could be sitting at forty one, and Marquise Brown and Jeffrey Simmons could both be sitting on the board, and we're like, uh, yeah. So how do we feel about right, this? Right, right. No kidding. No kidding. Yeah. So that's like that's absolutely a situation that could happen, and we'll boy. Not having access to those medical records is going to be tough. Oh, Not that I, I know. would know what to do with the medical That's records. That's one of the toughest um, things, so for sure. Yeah. But I should say not having access to the medical records and uh, an on-call medical professor, uh, somebody in the medical profession, would, would yeah. really kind of leaves us in the dark on situations like yep. this. But it's True. interesting, and we just kind of have to wait yep. and say. Uh, Andre, mock traps. Mel Kuyper, another one. Um, the second one this week, yeah. Has Greedy Williams going to Denver at mm-hmm. ten, which I found interesting because Devin White was—he has Devin White going yes, eleven to Cincinnati, yeah. and only one uh, quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, going in the top ten. Uh, so Murray and Drew yeah. Locke still on the board. Um, so yeah, he's got Murray at thirteen to Miami, which I think is a lot of fun, and then Locke to fifteen to Washington. It, 
makes sense. How do we feel about that? I mean, we just got done talking about why Greedy would not make sense for, for Denver at 10, given Fangio. Yeah, I mean, look, I could see a situation where it's like, look, we need cornerbacks. We addressed safety and linebacker and free agency. Uh, the, the quarterbacks were already gone, which is kind of what we thought might happen, which is why we drafted Joe Flacco. Um, so in that kind of scenario... Yeah, I totally could see them saying, whatever, we couldn't find a trade down that we liked. We're just going to stay put, take Greedy. Who cares? We feel good about him. That I'm fine with. If Greedy and Devin White are staring you in the face, I would bet that they would go Devin White. Um, It also feels like the classic mock draft where it's like, uh, instead of trying to fit, you know, a round piece into a square um, hole. I'm going to just let Kyler Murray drop to Miami and let Drew Locke drop to Washington. And that'll make my mock look nice and easy. Um, But I think they'd be strongly considered from the Broncos, at least Drew Locke. He also has Ed Oliver dropping a 14. Ed Oliver's dropping in a lot of these mocks. I think he would be higher on the Broncos board than any cornerback. Um, Look, if the Broncos drafted Bradley Chubb and Ed Oliver in back-to-back years, I quit. I'm not doing draft because... ever again. Because it will, it will, it <laughs> won't get better for me than there. It will. Yeah. My life will yeah, only no, go I mean, downhill. It's from true. There. The... After a lifetime of Denver not taking guys that I liked, last year they took, uh, they took Bradley Chubb and right. Cortland Sutton back to back, and then if they were to get if they were to get Ella Oliver this year, I just yeah no, I mean it'd be incredible, and you would be, uh, I would not <laughs> want to be an offensive coordinator who has to game plan against that defense, because yeah, against right Ed Oliver, Brad right. Chubb I mean, and Von you're Miller. gonna have to you know shade the protection somewhere, uh, double team <laughs> some way somehow. You probably double team. Vaughn and add a tight end to the mix. Uh, but, you know, one of those guys is going to be hunting one-on-one matchups for a large part of the game. And that is a trouble for your opposing offensive line. So I'm all for it. But frankly, this scenario plays out. I mean, I don't love the pick as we illustrated in an entire segment um, earlier, but I think, this scenario he has unfolding would play right into the Broncos' hands where you're staring down uh, Drew Locke, uh, Ed Oliver, Devin White at pick number 10. They're all still there. Sign sign me up. And I mean, hey. And like, right, really right. Add him to the mix. Yeah. In his own right. If, if, he, if he ends up being the pick, like we're, we've, we're, we've talked about why we don't right. like cornerback to Denver specifically for the position. But if Denver ends up with Greedy Williams... Yeah, uh, no, totally. And I mean... Okay. Like... Oh, absolutely. No, we'd, we're not be, we'd be high-fiving fit to here. that. And I mean, what was our segment last week where we talked about the best non-quarterback options at 10? We talked about Greedy. We talked about Devin White. We talked about Ed Oliver. We talked about Jonah Williams, right? Uh, all four of those guys still available yep. in Kuiper's mock. So sign me up. I'm happy at differing levels of happiness with any of those picks. So all's good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Like those are, 
those are all defensible decisions at positions of right. need where right. you and absolutely I mean, have to get upgrades. It's it's not like it's not like like this mock also has Clellan Farrell still on the board. If they took that guy, then I might be uh, I would be pissed. I mean, at that like, point, don't you just tell Clellan Farrell or Bradley Chubb like put on fifteen pounds and one of you play as playing stand it, you know, as playing D end with the hand in the ground. It's like. Yeah, absolutely. I just I agree. Yeah, another. The last thing they need is another one of those guys. Like that would be just like we. I get that this class is like loaded on them. I get that you love that. I get that Shane Ray and Shaq Barrett are going to walk. I get all these things. This is still so frustrating. Uh, And then Charlie Casserly unleashed another mock, and you know former GM. So we uh we have respect for for old Charlie. And uh, another cornerback at 10, believe it or not. <laughs> right. These two mocks that we wanted to talk about go yeah. totally against yeah, they... what we spent 40 minutes on our right. show talking about today. Because he's got Byron Murphy to 10. Uh, and then the guys picked immediately after are Greg Little and Jonah Williams, Jawan Taylor, uh, Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones. Like right. Devin Whitey has right. all the way down so... to 17. So Rich. he also has Rocky Sin at 23. Though I like that, that he that has my guys Draymond Jones nice. and Jerry Tillery in the first round. So, hey. Uh, yeah, I mean, totally. both of those make Charlie, sense. Charlie giveth and Charlie taketh away. So, but another mock where there, Dwayne Haskins is the only quarterback going in the top 10. Again, uh, you know, and he doesn't have Drew Locke going in the first round at all. Uh, he does have Daniel Jones going 15, which again, no, no, I'm I'm sure he's one of the. Him? He's one of the. <laughs> remember last year? I, I, I had a hey, I had the happens. NHL mock I mean, draft where I forgot I've, I've Oliver been there. Wallstrom. I, you know what's funny? I uh, I when I rewrote it, I got isn't that amazing? The spot I put him in, I got it right. Talk about an imperfect. <laughs> talk about an imperfect. Science. Writing box is hard, okay, um, guys. No, I just think he's in this camp of Daniel Jones is better yeah, than yeah. Drew Locke, which I don't get, but that's that's totally okay. That's what makes the draft fun, is everyone can have a different opinion looking at the same exact data. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, and we're all going to value yeah, different um, things differently. So, so another one where Devin White's still around and they go cornerback. I'm just telling you guys, I don't think that'll be the case. Uh, but I, I've been wrong before. Well, Castle mm-hmm. also has Cody mm-hmm. Ford in the top ten, as well as T.J. Hawkinson. And if and if that happens, I'm giggling yeah, all the way. He's uh, he's assuming, and I think this was piece. happening with Kuiper too. They're both kind of assuming. The Jags will find their quarterback and trader free agency, hint, hint, Nick Foles, and they're going to go just tackle at seven, uh, which could be. Um, and look, if the lines go Hawkinson, which I've seen mocked, yep. and you know the, the thinking is Patricia wants to follow the, the Patriots' way and get a tight end high who can block and be a factor in the receiving game, totally get that. I do think the Lions could be a big, big time candidate for Devin White. So if the Lions do go with the tight end, I'll be happy with that. And he has Christian Wilkins at nine, which is way higher than I would have him to the Buffalo Bills. And the Bills really need O line help 
and wide receiver help. Right. So going to defense me, is tough. That's crazy to me that they would have Christian Wilkins uh, that that high. Yeah. No, it's and um, when he he still has Ed Oliver around. Uh, here, here, brother. Here, here. Like he doesn't even have Ed Oliver. No, it seems like the kind of pick you make when you forget that Rex Ryan isn't coaching the Bills anymore, so they're not just gonna randomly draft Clemson guys nonstop. That's what it feels like. Well, and like I don't know, taking um for me, like I like Christian Wilkins a lot, but yeah. taking him over Ed Oliver is No, it's like, insanity. What are you yeah. doing? And I mean, again, they need O-line help, and they need wide receiver helps. You have your pick of the litter with wide receiver, and Cody Ford's the only O-lineman to have gone. So at nine, you had options there, like Jonah Williams, Juwan Taylor, and so on and so forth, not to mention DK Metcalf or you know a, a field stretcher for Josh Allen's arm. So, But as far as the Broncos goes, gives them Byron Murphy. Lots of respect for Charlie Castley, but as we explained in the last segment, don't see that as a, I mean, forget last segment, the last like three podcasts. We, we are skeptical about that. selection. let's just say that. <laughs> Safe to yeah. say. Uh, Andre, any, any final thoughts before we uh, move on to talking about coffee? I'll just say um, we know that even though none of you have asked this question in the comments. So, Hey, if the subscribers don't, don't ask directly, we're okay. I've been asked on Twitter, and it is a question we got a lot of um, in the weeks leading up to the Senior Bowl. But, you know, we have gotten more, a little more with the Flacco trade. What mid-round quarterbacks would you target? What guys might Rich Scangarello like? And so on and so forth. We'll hit that sooner rather than later. Uh, It's been on our rundown, but then we just found other stuff we found more interesting to talk about. So that's what happened. Uh, But I know some of you would like yep. to know about that. As AJ's mentioned with Glee, he wanted to take a little break from talking quarterbacks, and that was just fine with me. So uh, that's why we haven't addressed that yet, but we sure will soon. And as we always do, we will uh, attack it with more depth and vigor and detail than anyone else does. So there you go. I don't have anything cool. to add. So... I'm going to instead change topics entirely and remind our great BSN listeners that we have some game-changing coffee that we're excited to tell you about. Stravacraft is the CBD-enriched coffee that's really changed lives. They have incredible reviews, so make sure that you check those out. It's taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's helped decrease anxiety. You name it, CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use promo code BSN2019 at checkout and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. That does it for us this week on the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast presented by Elixinol. I am AJ. He is Andre. Thank you as always for listening. We will see you guys next week.